0: Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified, with all of the major shingle manufacturers providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.
1: Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most Big Blue Restoration, the number one choice in water damage restoration. And Mid Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. I'm your host, Donnie Blanchard. And while I'll be doing the first segment of the show solo, Eric Smith and I will be doing a studio-to-studio collaboration in segment two, where we cover your listener questions. I wanted to start out today by saying thank you so very much to everyone who's been listening to the show. We've seen our podcast downloads triple, and we've had so much support in terms of listener questions and interaction. And that's important because that's exactly why we do this show. What we're going to talk about today is now that we know it's a reality that a pandemic can change the way we live our daily lives. The real question is, how do we fight back? We did a show back in January on how to sick proof your house. We covered a topic that got a lot of feedback from our listeners, and it was just how long a virus can live on certain surfaces. For instance, things like stainless steel and granite can harbor this virus for up to 72 plus hours. There have even been a couple of recorded instances where it lived days and days beyond that. Then we talked about something that seemed to get everybody's attention. The fact that viruses cannot live on copper surfaces or even alloys of copper like brass and bronze. We got so much positive feedback on this that I knew I had to dive a little deeper. To explain how this happens, I'll give you a quick history lesson. In the mid-1850s, in France, there was a doctor who noticed that there were about 200 folks that worked at a copper smelting plant who all dodged the cholera outbreak. They had a total of three cholera outbreaks in a span of 20 years, and none of these folks at the copper plant seemed to have any trouble with the virus. The more he looked into it, it turned out to be about 500 people who were actually spared from all three outbreaks. The doctor connected the dots to figure out that there had to be something about their profession that kept them immune from a highly infectious disease. The more he looked into this, he figured out that there were folks in certain trades who were virtually untouchable. Folks like jewelers, goldsmiths, boilermakers, and even people who handled brass instruments like horns and trombones were all spared from the cholera outbreak. His conclusion to the French Academy of Science and Medicine in 1867 basically said that copper is an effective means of prevention and it should not be neglected. And while that's a cool story, the French doctor doesn't get credit for the discovery. Copper has been referred to as a gift from Mother Nature, and it's been documented through history for thousands of years. The first time it showed up was in an Egyptian medical document. They actually used a symbol for eternal life when they talked about copper in their hieroglyphics. That symbol was an ankh, or A-N-K-H, and it actually looks like a cross. Fast forward a few hundred years, and Phoenician history talks about how their soldiers would put the shavings from their bronze swords in their wounds because it prevented infection. It's also recorded all over the place that women passed on tradition of having sick children drink out of copper cups because it prevented stomach problems. The first thing that comes to my mind is just how does copper kill a virus? I read an article where a scientist described it this way. He said that when a virus lands on a copper surface or an alloy of copper that the ions on the copper surface attack the virus's membrane like bullets. So if you can imagine a bunch of tiny ions acting like bullets and penetrating the membrane, which is the protective coating on a virus, it immediately gets into the inside of the virus and kills the DNA or the RNA and basically disables that virus's ability to replicate, to evolve And basically just destroys the virus in as little as three or four minutes. If you look at this under a microscope, the virus is completely gone within nine minutes. So that's very strong considering a comparison to other solid surfaces. So what makes copper so unique above all other metals is that it has a free electron in the outer shell of electrons. It takes part in oxidation reduction reactions, which is the main reason copper is a good conductor as well. One scientist described it this way. He says it's a molecular oxygen grenade. And while other metals like silver and gold are also antimicrobial, they don't have the free electrons, so they're much less reactive. And while we're specifically talking about the COVID-19 virus, it kills any kind of virus you can imagine, like SARS, E. coli, MRSA, staph infections, and even the flu. And the main reason that I'm bringing this up today on the show is now that we know copper and its alloys are antimicrobial killing machines, how do we incorporate that into our daily lives? There are definitely more ways than you think that you can put copper around your house. We plan on doing a video of this show that we can give illustrations and explain this a little better, but I'll give you the list that we came up with. I'll start with the residential list. A copper sink is a big deal. When you thought your grandma's ornamental hammered copper sink was there for decoration, it was really there for sanitation. And if you think about the first place you go to wash your hands, usually the laundry sink or kitchen sink is where you go. So a copper sink is a little expensive, but I think it's well worth it being that your kitchen is somewhere the family congregates and just a popular place to hang out in your house. Copper countertops is probably the next step I would take, and while that doesn't sound very attractive, they look a lot better than you think, and there are several ways to tarnish those or speed up the aging process depending on what look you prefer, but copper countertops are something that I'm considering for my personal house. Copper handrails are a big deal. If you're not a fan of a copper handrail, there are ways trim carpenters can do copper inlays on the top of your handrail. A handrail is probably the most shared thing in your house, especially if you have stairs brass or bronze doorknobs are a big thing even if you change out just your entry doors and say the bathroom something that you open and close a lot that would be a big help this sounds crazy but they even have copper toilet seats available toilet seats are really easy thing to swap out and worst case you might have to change your towel bars and your towel rings out to make your wife happy so it matches everything but worst case Another thing folks don't often think of is that they have copper eating utensils available, so while that might sound unconventional, but if it keeps a couple of members of your family from getting sick, and that's the difference, it's totally worth it. And while there are other versions out there besides copper available for this, this is a good thing to have no matter what, but they make an antimicrobial doormat. If you want to Google that, there are a lot of products already out there available. That makes a big difference, and a lot of folks don't wear shoes in their house for that very reason. But if you do and you have kids and a lot of high traffic, then that doormat could be your second line of defense beyond the doorknobs. And this is something outside of your house, but considering having a copper or a bronze mailbox, while it may be a little more expensive, you know, that's somewhere you exchange products from the outside world that have been touched by more people than you probably realize. I want to close this list out by touching on something that probably harbors more germs than anything else in your house, and that's your cell phone. Since cell phones are moving towards wireless chargers these days, we feel like some sort of copper-based or antimicrobial wireless charger would be a good thing. Drop your phone on there and it kills any germs that's on your phone, but taking that a step further, I'll tell you guys a cool story. There were a couple of college kids in Tennessee they both contracted COVID-19 and they both recovered successfully and felt compelled to make a change. So they started a company to actually make copper, iPhone, and droid cases. Within the first couple of weeks, their company had blown the funding request out of the water and they are off to the races and set to be releasing these cell phone cases by May. Pretty cool story if you want to check it out. Their website is... AERIS.1. I'll spell that. It's A-E-R-I-S dot O-N-E. You should check these guys out, maybe buy a couple of cases for you and your family. And I want to say they're around $40 a piece, and that's about $10 more than an average phone case. And while this is the last thing on the list, I would rate it right up there at the top in terms of importance because everybody has a cell phone these days. When you really do your homework on just how copper could be integrated into our daily life, it's pretty mind-boggling. There are all kind of articles about things that people use that are a little bit unconventional. For instance, they have a copper paint that they use on the bottom of boats, and they're trying to figure out a way to integrate copper into air filters for your HVAC system. So we talked about that on a show a while back, how folks use a UV light on the HVAC coil to kill any germs or anything that have come through the return and are on their way back out through the supply. This is a big deal in terms of indoor air quality. And I know we talk about how the construction industry has gravitated towards PEX or plastic supply piping in your plumbing, but we could see things gravitate back to the copper piping like they used in the old days. So if you put that kitchen remodel off, you probably did the right thing. Now you're not only taking aesthetics and function into consideration, you're going to think about sanitation. That's basically our list for residential things you can incorporate into your house, but on a commercial level, the list goes on and on. I was going through the bank the other day, and of course the bank's closed except for the drive through window, and I had a thought. I mentioned to the folks on the other side of the window that I could get a flat sheet of copper and bring my metal break out there and basically line the drawer with copper because that's their window to the outside world, literally. They currently have stainless steel, and like we mentioned before, that can harbor a virus for up to 72 hours plus. Other things businesses should consider, maybe copper countertops at the business checkout area. Your door handles and push plates could be changed out to copper. Handrails especially could be copper, which looks common in a commercial setting. Cool fact, Grand Central Station has copper handrails, and they were installed over a 100 years ago. They tested those out recently, and they actually have the same antimicrobial effect that they had back then. Elevators would be a really popular place to try to incorporate something copper on the doors, maybe the buttons. Handicap grab bars are a thing in all commercial bathrooms. Even the toilet paper dispenser could be changed out to bronze or brass. They've even figured out a way in textile mills to incorporate textile fibers and blend those with copper for antimicrobial fabric. I mean, how cool is that? Using any of the things we just mentioned or just anything you can come up with in your particular workplace or setting could make a big difference. We feel really strong about schools and daycares, nursing homes especially, incorporating some of these copper, bronze, or brass fixtures into the commonly touched areas. And I feel pretty strong about this, but I won't harp on it. If these businesses are getting grants for this, that, and the other, I think it's a totally worthy cause to get UpFit money to change out some of the things that we talked about in your business or basically virus-proof it best you can. I'll give you some numbers to tell you why this is important. Using copper, along with standard hygiene protocols, has been shown to reduce bacteria in healthcare settings by up to 90%. There was a study back in the 1980s. They found out that hospital doorknobs made of brass, and that's part copper, like we mentioned before, barely had any E. coli growth on those at all. Compared to stainless steel knobs, which were heavily colonized, this is so important just because of how many healthcare-acquired infections there are in the United States. They say that there are up to 1.7 million infections and around 100,000 deaths linked to healthcare-acquired infections every single year. The way that translates to dollars is that it's estimated to be between 35 and 45 billion dollars annually just from the treatments these people need when they get these healthcare care acquired infections. Now, keep in mind, that's just a healthcare acquired infection. When you take schools into consideration or restaurants or just workplaces in general, that number will be multiplied exponentially. So how much could we really save just by being more sanitary? You might be asking yourself, what happened to copper? Why aren't we using it everywhere? And just how did it become less common? Manufacturers around the world started to lean towards cheaper products like stainless steel, aluminum, and plastic. And while those are good products in their own right, they have zero antimicrobial properties. The good news is, should this copper movement become a thing... There's still plenty of copper left in the world. It's said that we've only mined 12% of the world's copper. The reason that is is because it's so recyclable, it can be used over and over, so the remaining 88% hasn't been needed. If there's a bright spot, silver lining, or just something positive you can focus on, it's that the whole world is more aware of practices that'll keep us all healthier. So that means for the lives that were sacrificed, there'll be a lot of lives saved. And since the Carolina Contractor Show is all about helping you get to know your house better, Your home just became a much more important part of your life, so make sure you do your part to keep your home a healthy and happy place. Stay tuned. Eric and I are about to air out some of your listener questions that you sent in. If we don't get to your question this week, please check out our show next week where we'll try to get those questions answered. We'll be right back with the Carolina Contractor Show.
0: Stay tuned for more of
1: the Carolina
0: Contractor Show. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified, with all of the major shingle manufacturers providing a 50 year non prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.
1: And welcome back to the Carolina Contractor Show for your Saturday afternoon. I'm Eric Smith, and usually sitting just a couple feet away from me is Donnie Blanchard from Sure Top Roofing. But we're still socially distancing, but technology has brought us together, even though he's many miles away from me. We can talk back and forth through this cool little system we've devised. And if you want to be in communication with us, you can go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We're going to answer some questions people have submitted at the website, and you can do the same thing. There's a little button on the website that says Ask the Contractor. It should be called Ask the Donnie because he gets them all and he answers them all. And it doesn't matter what question you have about your house. If it's your roof, of course, that's Donnie's wheelhouse because he's with Suretop Roofing. But we like to talk about the inside, the outside, the walls, the floors. We've done HVAC questions. We've done landscaping questions, things like that. So don't be afraid of your question. We like a challenge. TheCarolinaContractor.com. Also on the website is the link to the Facebook page. Donnie has it updated constantly. He's even doing some YouTube videos. He's got a YouTube video link at CarolinaContractor.com. And of course, if you want to catch past episodes of the show, the website has the links to download them so you can listen to those podcasts anywhere you want, anytime you want, at your own convenience. Now, one of the silver linings of a stay-at-home order is I think a lot of people walked around their homes and said, you know what, there's a couple maintenance issues I need to take care of or there's some projects, big or small, that I now have the time and opportunity to do. And that's what one of my neighbors, he and his wife redid their entire kitchen, a, a full renovation. They did new floor, countertops, fixtures, painting cabinets, and it looked fantastic. And I talked to him about it and he said, look, I, I have the skill to do it. I used to do it many years ago, but in my current life with school and jobs and kids, I just didn't have the time to do that work myself, so I never tried it. Well, once he realized he was going to be working from home a lot, he and his wife decided, look, Let's put five, six days into this and we can knock it out. And it was a fantastic result. I was actually very jealous of it, but I think it was very common because you'd go by Lowe's or something on even the weekdays and they were slammed as people were taking advantage of the time at home to do some DIY. Didn't you tell me when we talked on the phone last week that you guys tackled a few quarantine projects around the house? Yeah, but nothing like a renovation. I don't have that type of skill. But one of the things I did that made life more pleasant was I went to my tool shed and I looked at it and said, this thing is a mess. I need to get it organized again. So I just took everything out, set it out in the yard, reorganized it, hung the rakes, hung the tools, got rid of old paint cans and things like that, pieces of tools that I had no idea where they went. I just said, I don't need to keep this. I'm going to get rid of it. And once it was done, and it only took a couple hours, it just made life better and actually made me want to do more yard work because I knew where all these tools were and they were easy to get to. And the other thing was an indoor project that my wife did, and it was it was simple, but man, the results were great. She regrouted our kitchen countertops. She initially put in this stone countertop where she had cut the pieces herself and put them in, but after 20 years... That grout gets dirty. Some of it starts to kind of break down from just being used constantly. So she cleaned it all out, chipped out old grout, mixed a new batch, put it in, smoothed it out. And when it was done, it looked like a brand new countertop. Do you do anything, Donnie?
2: Yeah, I'd have to say the coolest quarantine project wasn't anything I did. My younger brother actually started building these raised bed gardens. So his wife's hair salon got shut down several weeks ago. So they only had one income in the house. He picked this design out of treated wood and metal. And he made a few and just put them on Facebook Marketplace. Within a couple of weeks, he had a few thousand dollars worth on the books to make. And he hit it just right because they were super hot on Mother's Day. So he gets a huge pat on the back from me. I think that was
1: a real stand-up move for he and his family. And his boxes are posted on our Facebook page for the Carolina Contractor Show. And the easiest place to find the Facebook page is going to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. And that's also the place you can ask the contractor. And we've got a whole list of questions right here. Look, I I just printed them off. Here we go, Donnie, with question number one, does a roofer have to have a GC license or a general contractor's license? So technically, no, for most roofs. But in North Carolina,
2: any construction project over $30,000 require you have a GC license. This is a pretty loose restriction. If you compare it to a few miles north in Virginia, anything over $5,000 requires a contractor license there. And it's a different world when you cross that state line. Whereas here in North Carolina, my residential and commercial contractor license reciprocates in South Carolina and Tennessee.
1: You just have to fill out a financial statement, do some paperwork and that sort of thing. Good question. All right. Number two submitted to thecarolinacontractor.com. What is the difference in western red and eastern red cedar? Yeah, this is a good question. Pretty much
2: everything you see with a cedar beam is western red cedar. And, of course, they're labeled eastern-western red cedar for obvious reasons because one is more prominent than the other, depending on which coastline it's closest to. But the big difference is that the eastern red cedar ranges anywhere from 20 to 60 feet tall, and they have a trunk about a foot to three foot wide, whereas the western red cedar usually grows over the 200-foot mark, and their trunk can be anywhere from 10 to 13 feet wide. Another cool fact is that the western red cedar can live over a thousand years in some cases whereas that eastern red cedar is going to max out at 300 years at best. So that's a big factor in why
1: one gets so much bigger than the other one, and that makes it the best option to get larger and longer lumber. All right, let's jump on question number three. We have a broken glass window. Is it better to replace the broken pane or the entire window?
2: This is kind of a long answer, but I'll try to hit this from a couple of angles. The best and easiest thing to do is replace the sash if that's a possibility. If you have a double-hung window, both sashes will move. And if it's a newer window, you can probably find a replacement sash. When you tilt those windows in as if you were going to clean those, if you look on the side, it should have the manufacturer and model number right there. So taking a picture of that and tracking down the manufacturer would be my first step. If that's not an option, say if the outside of the window frame is broken from a hailstorm or it's a single hung window and, and the top sash is cracked, you can't get that out because it doesn't move or maybe a casement window. Then the best option in that scenario is to have a glass company come out and reglaze. I use a company locally called WindowWise and James is the owner. You can get him right there on the phone. And sometimes when you weigh out tracking down the manufacturer or if it's an older window for a few hundred dollars, he can come in there and just replace everything without taking anything off around the window. Sometimes what you run into if you do have to replace the entire window is when that window was installed, it has a flange that's nailed right into the plywood or the exterior sheathing. You have to take off all the vinyl siding around that window. You have to remove flashing, house wrap in some cases. So it's just major surgery, and if that can be avoided, it's certainly a lot easier and cheaper. And heaven forbid you have to get a window out from behind a brick veneer application. I won't go into
1: that because that's just a case-by-case thing, but not an easy thing to do. Next question. Is radiant heat flooring with a solar water heater realistic or practical?
2: We could just about devote an entire show to solar water heaters and, and another show on radiant heat. But the short answer is yes, these actually work well. Back when I used to design houses, I drew a blueprint for a guy who's a soil engineer. We should probably get him on the show. But the way this works is that the solar panels heat up what they call solar fluid, and the hot fluid pipes through a heat exchanger. It transfers that heat to the radiant floor loop. A radiant floor loop is a series of supply pipes, and they're embedded down in the concrete when you pour the slab for a house. So the first floor of that house will radiate heat all through the winter, and of course heat rises, so it keeps the house warm and it's not near the demand on your HVAC system in the winter. If there were a drawback, uh, probably that it takes more solar panels than you realize, but if you plan to heat your house with something more expensive like gas, this could be a huge money saver on your utilities. And the thing is, if you plan to do this, really the only way to do this economically is when the house is
1: under construction, so it's a super hard thing to retrofit. All right. Final question for today. Are there any products that actually work to keep leaves and debris out of my gutters? I have seen and heard many that claim to be the answer only to get negative reviews as time passes. Yeah, we get this question a lot. Eric, do you want to take this one? Well, I can give some personal advice. The generic, no-name brands are not something I would recommend. Their hype is definitely more than what they can deliver. We had some put in our house many years ago, and the guy said, look, these are clog-free, maintenance-free gutters, the last a lifetime. You don't have to worry about anything. About year four, I noticed the restriction of the water flow because the downspout was only letting water out at about 50%. And what happens is organic debris like leaves, break down and they sit in the base of that gutter. Your shingles tend to shed little granules off of them over the years and that got collected in the bottom and kind of solidified. That's when the problem started with ours because they tended to catch really small leaves and pine needles and then bigger leaves and then sticks. And the little cover over the top that was allegedly going to only let water in, they weren't removable. So I couldn't even lift them up to clean out the gutters So I finally just gave up because they started to fill up and backwash over the soffit area and against the house, had them ripped down and had just generic gutters put in. And those work better than uh, the allegedly clog free, maintenance free ones I got. But I know the name brand ones, there's some types that you actually think are very effective, Donnie, right? Okay. well, to break this down, there are about two types of what people call
2: gutter guards. There's gutter guards and there's gutter helmets. The gutter guard usually sits flat on top of the gutter, whereas a gutter helmet goes up under the first shingle up and the back of a gutter helmet is pitched. And basically with a gutter guard, you can install those anywhere you have pines or pin oaks. Uh, it'll just be more work than you had initially. And, and that's the whole point of putting the guards up there is to not have to get on the ladder every year and do extra work. I'm a fan of a gutter helmet in just about every situation. While it won't support the same amount of flow that the gutter guard will, I think even in a heavy rainstorm, if you have runoff or if the perimeter of your house can afford to have a little bit of rain shooting over the gutter helmet, I think it's worth it because you'd never have to clean those out. The gutter helmets usually range about a dollar to $2 more per linear foot, but I think those are well worth it because they stand up to just about any kind of
1: tree species. All right, and if you have a question for Donnie, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, and click on Ask the Contractor. You'll also find links to the Facebook site, and you can download podcasts, so if there's past shows you want to listen to, grab those and listen to them at your convenience. And if you have a question about your roof, or you know it's time for a new roof, or maybe a storm went through this spring, and you went, I wonder if there's something wrong... Call SureTop Roofing or visit their website, suretoproofing.com. Let Donnie and his team come out and look at your roof. It's free for them to do it, and sometimes they bring the drone, which is very cool. So you can see what your roof is really looking like. If you just need a repair, they can do it. If you need replacement, they'll help you out. If you have an insurance claim, SureTop Roofing is the place to contact. But the best thing is, if there's nothing wrong with your roof, Donnie will tell you just that, and then you can just have SureTop Roofing come out every year to give an update on the condition of your roof. We hope you have a great Saturday, and we will talk to you again next Saturday. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. Big Blue Restoration, the number one choice in water damage restoration. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Send your questions to thecarolinacontractor.com. The Carolina
0: Contractor Show,
1: making your home great again.
0: Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.